Amen. Thank you for singing with us. Thank you, worship team. I, I want to just acknowledge and, and gush a little bit for how hard this crew's been working for the last couple of weeks for our Christmas Eve service for this morning. They're amazing, aren't they? Talented, beautiful, just... And, and so many uh, different teams and crews and people putting on, uh, just using their gifts to help us put together these services to worship like this, to gather on Sunday mornings. Uh, I also just want to give a special shout out to yesterday, um, all across the valley, we had this ice storm, right? You probably are having a hard time getting your cars chipped out. It was pretty chaotic and we're making this call, like, do we do our Christmas Eve service? Like, what can we do? And we had an amazing team of people came out and early on in the afternoon, chipping away by hand, tons and tons of ice to keep our parking lot clear, to keep our pathways clear so it was safe for everyone. So again, huge thank you to everyone who did that. Amazing service, just amazing way to come together as the church to just worship. So awesome, I, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it. that's it. We always pretend like we don't get much snow out here, but we always do get snow and it always catches us off guard, right? Uh, just a little bit of housekeeping too before we get going into this, uh, fin- uh, keep going in this morning. Um, I also just want to celebrate too, this is the last message we got uh, for this year and this has been an abundant year. It's been a great year. It's been, you know, we've been challenged and stretched in different ways, but at the same rate too, God has been generous to us and you have been generous, church, to the mission of the church, to our city. Last night, we did a collection as well for the Mission Food Bank. And just in that, with the people who were able to come out braving through the weather, we raised over $500 just to support the food bank, including additional donations. And that's on top of recently putting together 12 amazingly huge hampers for families uh, from the school and from the neighborhoods just to help bless people. And, and our goal is to make sure that everyone has a Merry Christmas because if we're celebrating and we know God's been good to us, we want to be good to his children as well because we're all his children right, helping out siblings. So it's been fantastic. On that note too, um, giving is a part of our worship here at our church. And so if this, is, if this is part of your regular practice too, we do have uh, giving stations at each of the doorways at the end uh, exits or entrances, I guess whichever direction you're going to at and the worship center here. Uh, but I do want to let you know too that just for uh, donations wise and tax wise too, if you do want to get any donations in for the 2022 tax year, it just has to be in by the end of this week, if that's online or not, just so things can be processed through the banks and stuff. So I'd say Thursday is a good safe day too, if you want to get that in for the taxing, because next weekend's New Year's. Did this season come fast? Right? Like, it, was, it came way too fast for us. Last night, I was like, okay, so Christmas is in a few weeks, right? <laughs> Just like how it felt in my mind. We're still prepping, and here it comes, and now we're at Christmas Day. But I do want to say thank you so much for coming out here this morning when we were trying to make a decision of, like, do we do a service on Christmas morning, right? Like, it's, it's Christmas, but it's Sunday. But it's Christmas, but it's Sunday. But we'll be doing the big family thing, but it's Sunday. And, and what do we do? And what I do want to say is a, a, a huge way I was raised that impacted me massively was not that, because this isn't about Sunday morning, right? Like Sunday morning church isn't church, it's a small piece of it. Like what we're doing here in this place is awesome, but it's not the be all end all of everything. But the church, the gathering of people, this community is a pretty important and massive and should be a massive priority in our, in our lives. And I remember really being raised often with this sense of like, okay, we've got family stuff, which is great and important, but we also, we're also part of a bigger family. Too, we're part of this church family. So Cedar Valley here too, we're part of this church family, not by blood relations, by, uh, but by our faith, 
by our community, by our gathering. And so then this is a huge priority that we want to celebrate. So Christmas morning, it's so awesome to be together here with you and uh, to joining in online. Uh, it's so fantastic to worship. And he, because this is what the celebration is all about, right? Is Jesus came to be with us so we could be with him. Who reads the Christmas story on Christmas morning? The families. Does anybody do that? Is that like a tradition sort of thing? Awesome. Okay. I'm not trying to guilt anyone because if I'm being totally honest, and maybe I think my parents are here and I don't want to throw them under the bus, but if we did do that, I don't remember. I remember the first RC car I got, and I remember the first Nerf gun I got. I don't remember the Christmas story on Christmas morning, though, too much. We would get there, right? We would do that, and we, there's always the church services, too. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an important thing. Like, that's kind of the central focus of what this morning is. But here's another question, then. If, if you are doing it, which Christmas story are you reading? Luke 2, that's one. There's four Gospels, right? So in the Bible, there's four gospel books, and these are accounts of the life and work and ministry of Jesus. Uh, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. And um, so the gospel of Luke has the classic Charlie Brown Christmas story, right? Like it's, it's recited, Linus says it, and you know, that's, that's got to be like one of the best classic blessings ever, just hearing it. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. But there's three other gospels. The Gospel of Mark kind of misses out completely on the whole Christmas moment. Uh, the author of the Gospel of Mark was mostly focusing on the things Jesus did and trying to get very close, near accounts, and there weren't many people at the birth, and mostly they were people who met Jesus in the adult life. So we don't get that in the Gospel of Mark. But the Gospel of John, we have the Christmas story. Have you read that one? We're going to do that this morning. So in John chapter 1, uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, if you've got your phones, we're just going to go through a little bit John chapter 1. And uh, the Christmas story. So this is how it goes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Sounds Christmassy, hey? You getting the Christmassy vibes? The donkeys and the manger and the angels? And it was kind of, it's actually a little bit like this complicated web of, of ideas. And so maybe, you know what, let's, let's dive into this a little bit. Let's do a bit of context. John was writing this gospel for a world that had this high view of God. And he was trying to communicate this thing that God is massive. So he creates this kind of almost complicated web of saying like, God made everything. Nothing exists without God. God is the light. God is everything. There is incredible majesty. And, and that was what most of the world, even modern day, honestly, most of the world has this sense like there's powers out there that you shouldn't mess with, right? It's only kind of our small Western culture that gets a sense of like, we can say whatever we want and put God in a textbook and post a thing about, I don't like this or that about these things. But a lot of the world, and especially in the ancient world, God's a big idea that you should be scared of. And so here's the Christmas story. John sets it up a little bit like that. Remember, remember the God that is massive? If we skip ahead a little bit to John... Uh, 1 verse 14, he says something here. He says, and then the word, the word he's talking about in those first few verses, became flesh. There is the Christmas story for John. And this is why it's so massive, because that word flesh, there's a few different words in, in the Greek that uh, the author could have used to describe it, which could have been like bodily or beauty or human, but he uses the word flesh, which 
is almost derogatory. Like, it, it literally means flesh, like the stinky, uh, vulnerable, damageable meat. Like, he literally could have said, and then God became hamburger, ground beef, like, like raw. And, and this should have been, and it should be for us, we often read over and glance over it, like this was a scandalous statement to make. And the reason why he's saying that is he's trying to bridge this massive gap from God out there, which I think a lot of us have, even if we've been going to church our whole lives, there's a God who's way out there. And he's saying it's actually so far past. It's not even that like, and then there's pictures that we like, and there's reverence on earth, and then there's like the image of presence of God in the tabernacle. Because see, this is into a culture that they were even scared to say the name of God, and yet God would come kind of close into a tent of meeting. They would see the cloud they were guided by, the Israelites. And then he's saying like literally a baby, but not like a magic baby, like literally like a baby, completely human, that poops and makes a mess and cries like my child is over there, just a real baby. So he's trying to bridge that gap. That's the Christmas story for the Gospel of John. And then we're going to jump over because why, what did he come into? Why did he do that? And what context was he coming into as a baby? So then we're going to do the Christmas story from the Gospel of Matthew. This one's a banger. You ready? Head over to the Gospel of Matthew, first book in the New Testament, chapter 1. Matthew starts off the Christmas story this way. I'll give you a moment. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Here we go. Christmas story. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, who was the mother of... Ta- whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. I'm not going to keep going. You guys feel this? Come on, Matthew. This is the biggest story you're telling and you're giving us names. Could you imagine if I started every sermon of Grant, the son of Tom, the son of, and just kept going, right? All the way back to Scotland. I don't even know how far the lineage goes back. I haven't traced that far. Lineages and genealogies don't really matter a whole lot to us, right? They, they do a bit. We, we know a little bit, but they're not really a thing that we go around introducing ourselves by. So we miss something. I think it's clear to see because this is the first 16 verses of the Gospel of Matthew. This is clearly, like, this is how he's trying to wow us. This is the introduction of, like, the big blockbuster he's putting out. So clearly we're missing something, right? Because it's a little bit of a snooze fest for us. See, lineages were actually something like you would introduce yourself with. They were kind of like the, a little bit of the identity you broadcast. We've got Instagram profiles. We've got social media, right? Like, if, I don't know if you have a LinkedIn page. I'm not that old. But that's what, it's like your accomplishments, the stuff you've done, the things you're great at, the stuff you like, the things that are kind of about you. And then here's the thing. You actually, you curate it a little bit, right? Like you show the best parts. And lineages were a little bit like that. Uh, you, would, you would tell people about, you know, who was your father and your father's father and father's father. And then you skip out that weird great uncle who believed that the earth was flat and whatnot. And you wouldn't bring that into the context, right? Or more specifically in this kind of situation, you'd kind of ignore the person who got incarcerated for leading a revolt. You wouldn't keep that on your mark. You'd kind of skip those pieces out and curate it so it looks really good. But again, kind of like the way if we're putting a resume together, what's the best parts, right? Leave out the awkward stuff. Still have things to work on. Now we can dive in a little bit to Jesus' genealogy because here's the thing. Jesus' genealogy, what Matthew starts off with here, is weird because he curated it. 
but not in a way that would make sense if you're trying to set up the world for the God who created everything, who became a baby, who became flesh into the world. He made a pretty messy genealogy. He skipped out on certain pieces uh, in order to kind of create this sense of showing how he's part of the lineage of David, which is to fulfill a prophecy, and he was there that was part of Joseph's family line, his uh, adopted father, I guess he'd call it, or stepfather. I don't know how you kind of create that sort of thing. But what's interesting is among farmers and kings and leaders and peasants, you also find women, which sadly was not the norm. You never include women in lineages in uh, ancient Middle East 2,000 years ago, even though approximately like 100% of humans were born from a woman, I'm pretty sure. They just, you just wouldn't, it just all would go to the father's side, right? But then here, the author Matthew includes women, and uh, four women in this. And in fact, where he could have included like powerful matriarchs and heroines in the lineage, he includes four women who are actually linked to scandals, connected to some of the, uh, some of the people of Israel's most uh, turbulent times, some of their biggest black marks, because here you've got Tamar and Rahab, who was a prostitute turned hero. You've got Ruth, who's kind of, there's a whole story there. And then you've got Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. That's Bathsheba, who is part of their greatest king's biggest falling. That's who's in the lineage. And then among that too, you have some other people who are kind of just insignificant people who kind of got messed up outside of the king line. This is the lineage, and Matthew's creating this as a way to say, and this would have been a shocking thing to say, here's your God who's come into an absolute mess of our history. Any sensible thought would say, as a king, paint the best picture you can and put a crown on top and polish every single surface. But instead, Matthew's Christmas story is that God entered into our world in the flesh but also into a family, into a real family. Who here has a perfect family, right, with no weird cousins? I mean, I know here in this context too, I'm saying like, who has a family? I'm talking like about three and a half families, right? So you all know, yeah, nobody point fingers. But our lives are pretty messy. We are not perfect, and I think the thing is, we often think that God is waiting for us to get our stuff together. God might be out there still waiting, like get better, get perfect, because a lot of times we accidentally say that unintentionally or even sometimes intentionally but ignorantly. The church kind of communicates this thing as like dress well enough, look good enough, speak kindly enough, do enough good stuff so that God actually will pay attention and care about you. But that's not what's saying here. The Gospel of Matthew, the Christmas story, according to Matthew, is saying... He comes into it, uh, a pastor, Tyler Statton, says it this way, I love it, God enters into our family so that we can enter into his family. He enters into the complete mess, the disaster, because God is not scared of any amount of mess or corruption or addiction or relapse or whatever we're bringing back into our life over and over and over and over again. The stuff that we keep doing, even intentionally, we know when we shouldn't be doing it, doesn't scare God. He wants to enter into that. That's the kind of world he comes into. So that all around leads us to kind of what I wanted to make a focus on as we conclude this Advent season. It's going to be a nice, sweet service this morning because when we were talking about the Advent season uh, before we even got into December, we did this series called God With Us because I thought there's something so amazing about 
even call it a worldview, a perspective, a mindset, a faith, where you have a God who enters in so closely, you get to celebrate his birthday annually. He's, you're invited to the birthday party, right? You don't crash a birthday party typically. It's kind of awkward to do that. You can do that to a wedding or to some other events or even like a work party, but a birthday party is friends and family. So you go there to celebrate the guest of honor and you know them closely or at the very least you know their family quite closely. So this morning is literally a birthday party. That's the application this morning is we've got cake. Seriously, it's going to be good. We, I, I'm almost wondering, should we sing happy birthday? But we're here to celebrate the birth of our Savior and our God who has invited us into that moment, who's come into our world, and it is so exciting to be able to do that with this extended family here too. If you're online, I hope you can get some treats, but this morning here, the God, the all-powerful God of the universe entered in in a small way. C.S. Lewis said it this way, I loved it. There was once at a time in a stable something so small but bigger than the entire world. And that's Jesus. So I'm going to pray and we're going to have cake and we're going to go about the rest of our day celebrating the birth of our God and our Savior. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for how radical it is, the way that you constantly change any sort of perspective that we, we think we can understand the world, God, we think we can make assumptions of, you know, we write a story of heroes and, and everything's perfect, but God, you enter in vulnerable into the mess and the thick of it because you just want to be close to us and you make that such an open invitation, God. You make it so easy. God, thank you for extending the hand of grace that you do. God, thank you for making the first move. So here, God, I just pray that you bless this time. God, bless the cake we're going to have together. God, bless the celebration and keep us safe as we drive home from here. God, we just are in awe of who you are and how you come so small and so close, and yet you're so big and so massive. Never let us forget those two things. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. It's a happy birthday party, guys. Let's get some cake.